how the marriage has blessed the priesthood. Look, when I wake up, for example, on mm. a day when I feel like I don't want to do anything, yeah. or I'm tired or I'm run down or it's knowing that my family is there as well and that when I get up to go serve the, the community or if I, I know that they're benefiting from that service as well because they're part of the community, you know. Mm. So in my service of the church, I'm still serving my family, you know. Mm. When I'm living my vocation as a husband and a father well, mm. I feel like that's when I'm being the best priest that Christ has called me to be. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, as a priest, you know, how it's blessed my marriages, I feel like if I'm speaking in a particular way, from my place as a priest mm. if I'm preaching in a particular thing from my position that the Lord has blessed me with to serve as a priest then I'm attentive that I also want to bring that in to my life as a husband and a father yeah hello and welcome to the soul food podcast bringing you stories that nourish the soul it's Allison and Donnie here from the mission enhancement team and we hope that this podcast will encourage you in your life and faith wherever you are right now here comes another soul food story Hello friends, we're here on the Soul Food Podcast and with a very special guest. His name is Charbel Dib. Charbel is a married man and a proud parent of four children. He is also an ordained priest in the Maronite Catholic Church. He's a lover of movies and a diehard Parramatta Eels fan. Shout out to the Eels. And previously, in his uh, previous role, he's had an extensive background in fitness as a personal trainer. Now I've had the privilege of working with Chabelle in the space of adult faith formation, specifically in developing programs and resources for integrating faith and fitness, providing introductory content on the Catholic tradition, and engaging with the specific ages of 20s, 30s, and 40s in the life and faith storytelling that they've experienced. Welcome to the space, Father Chabelle. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Soul Food. Um, and if, if anyone's uh, listening for the first time, what we do in the Soul Food podcast is we ask a food-related story just to break the ice. And particularly for you, Chabelle, what's a food story that describes a little bit about you? Yeah, so I think uh, the first thing that, came, that comes to mind is yeah, in my parents' house where I grew up, we, we moved into this house uh, not, not far from here in Parramatta. And when we first moved into the house, the backyard was just a standard backyard, but about a year in, to living there, my dad decided to build a specific barbecue area. Nice. Uh, put like the gas barbecue there. And from the moment that that barbecue area was finished, um, we would have barbecue three times a week in my household. How and good. that is a lot of meat uh, for anyone to consume. But <laughs> it, the thing about it was it was never just us. It was never just my immediate family. Every time that my dad would light the barbecue, he'd be ringing and inviting the neighbors or he'd be inviting my cousins. Or we had this, this sense of that, that couple of times a week, the barbecue was going um, and there was people over the house and we were having a feed and having a laugh together and it sort of just became the central hub of, mm. of, of food and laughter and, and good times with the family. Um, so much so that yeah, some of my friends from school would figure out, oh, it seems like tonight's going to be a barbecue night, we'll come to your place yeah. afterwards sort of thing. So it was just that sense of um, having uh, that, that, uh, commu- that family community that was always so strong with us but extended out to the neighbours, the, the, the extended relatives, friends from school, like... That just that importance of how food can actually bring you together. Yeah. And especially for us as Lebanese, the barbecue, you can't go wrong. Yep, yep, um, that's it. And being in the season of Lent right now, I could do with a good barbecue, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll wait till after Easter. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a great story. And yeah. I love what, what you said there, you know, mm. food as the great community builder. Yeah. yeah. How awesome is that? Um, now, I'm wondering in your own family setting, is this something of that practice of the barbecue that you've adopted at your place, or do you still get a to mom and dad? To yeah, I think uh, with uh, the the super busy schedule mm. uh, for myself, uh, 
Look, I, during the uh, the COVID times when we were all at home, we did have um, more family barbecues with my immediate family with mm. my wife and children. But the big tradition that we have is yeah, we bounce between on Sundays, maybe one Sunday we'll have lunch at my parents, one Sunday we'll have lunch at my wife's parents' yeah, house. Nice. It's still that community family builder where it's still very much centred around that that charcoal barbecue and, and having a meal together. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's now still with the extended family, you know. Yeah, good. so good, yeah. so good. I have to say charcoal chicken changed my life, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we grew up on that stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Now in your intro, mm-hmm. I mentioned you're both um, a married man and a Maronite Catholic priest, yeah. and we wanted to talk about those two integrated vocations. Yeah. Um, but first, let's start with uh, the marriage and family journey. Mm. Uh, when you think about your journey so far, is there a story or an experience that really shaped your image of uh, marriage and family? Yeah. I think in terms of um, what shaped the image of, of marriage and families, it was uh, like I'm uh, one of six children in my mm. household and I'm number four. So I had three older sisters. Uh, they all sort of a bit before me, they got married. Uh, in particular, my older sister, she got married, she had children. Um, and I loved the, the sense of um, watching sort of that family life grow, like, yes, from my older sister from the time that she got married, I think I was maybe at 15, mm. and then seeing her and her husband, my brother-in-law, uh, you know, build a house together or like you know, start a family together. That was very insp- inspiring for me, you know, and I always had that in my heart that maybe one day, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd go down that, that path. And, um, and you know, we see that a lot in our culture and I'm sure a lot of other cultures as well, uh, that sense of um, the joy that surrounds the celebration of, of any of the sacraments, but in particular marriage for us, you know, yeah. it's like the crowning jewel in the life of a, of a Lebanese parent is when, they marry off their children sort of thing. <laughs> so it's always been like that big in our, in, in our culture, big in my heart that, you know, one mm. day that, that vocation would speak something for me. And then, mm. You know, in the sense of I wouldn't just sort of rush into it with anybody yeah. though, like in the fact that my wife Rosemary came into my life at the right time and a beautiful time. Yeah. It just made it easy to discern that path, um, you know. Yeah. There were some challenges, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah no, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. Now, yeah. in terms of your, your family, you mentioned that your siblings, um, a number of them got married before you, mm. and obviously you would have seen their shape of family, yeah. and you could say their spirituality expressed in their family. What would you say are some of the, the key words or key qualities that you and Rosemary um, uh, try to live into as, as a way of saying this is you know, our, our Dib family values yeah. and, our, and our Dib family vision for life and, yeah. and family together, yeah. Yeah, look, I think patience is probably the key thing uh, for us is that recognising that we're not going to get it right all the time um, mm. and, and we have to have that patience with each other um, and and to learn that, in a sense, things will make themselves right in the end, you know. Yeah. If we keep sort of cooperating with God's grace, if we maintain a little bit of a perseverance in prayer within the life of the mm. family, then you'll sort of find the way to to come through the other side and, and the, the challenges that you faced um, would, would have made you a lot stronger for it yeah. and put you in a better position to face whatever next obstacle you, you come up against in, in your life. So that patience and perseverance in prayer, I think, are the, are the big ones that really stand out for me. I, you know, yeah, that's when awesome. I look back at it. Yeah. That's awesome, the double Ps. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned before we, we get into some of the joys and challenges and only mm. in as much as you're comfortable, Shabelle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what are some of the milestones in your journey with your now wife, Rosemary, yeah. um, that, that led to this point of, you know, a lifetime now of, of being together? Yeah. Look, I think in, in the early stages, like a lot of um, Catholic young men who have lived their life in the church and, and sort of sense that there might be that uh, call to serve the church in ordained ministry, 
one of the biggest challenges for us in those early stages was was actually my challenge in discernment is um, you know this sense of being called to feeling called to serve the church, mm. but also having this desire to to be married um, and growing up in in a Western world and you know you sort of sometimes the two are sort of held in opposition to each other. Mm. Uh, so for our relationship, the early stages after, you know, the, the honeymoon period of any relationship <laughs> as of a young couple, yep. once we sort of started to get towards the crux, well, where is this actually going? Uh, that question of do I feel like I'm called to, to celibacy sort of started mm. to resurface. So we had to work through those challenges and I had to get some some guidance and some, uh, some spiritual direction around that. Um, mm. I had to, again, persevere in my own prayer life and sort of see where the Lord was, was leading me more. Yeah. Uh, but once we got through that, that obstacle in those early stages, it was a lot easier to that for me to then say, you know, I'm, I'm really committed to, to wanting to be married to this woman yeah. and starting a life and family together. Yep. Yeah. Some of the particularities of um, your ordained journey we'll get into in a moment. Of course, yeah. But yeah, just doubling back on, on that experience of discernment, uh, what uh, really helped you along that process? So you mentioned a bit of spiritual direction, but what about that process helped you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think there's two really big uh, key things. Uh, a spiritual director from within um, our, our Maronite church here, I got to know him. You know, he uh, was was a great help in in my life of faith and in helping me discern in in so much like discernment, yes, and and, and trying to hear you know the, the the way that the spirit was leading and follow where mm. the spirit was leading um, in my life as much as possible. And he was fantastic with that. Uh, but I think the crux of that came was when. You know, I went on a discernment retreat, and it was it was run by the Carmelites, um, mm. and it was actually um, now the the Bishop of Lismore, <laughs> Bishop Bishop Homing, who yeah. was leading that retreat when okay. he was still Father Homing, Father Greg. Yeah, and you know, he sort of it was a whole retreat on discernment, and you know, he said something. It might have been a passing comment to him at the time, but mm. he said so, one sentence at the end of that retreat to me specifically, which tied in, you know, the year and a half of discernment. And, and guidance that I was getting from within the Maronite church as well, which was uh, to live according to your traditions sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah, as a Maronite, live as a Maronite. You know, you've grown up your whole life in the Maronite church. You've received all your sacraments in the Maronite church. Live as a Maronite and then see where that takes you. And, wow. And for me, that was like, again, it was no guarantee of anything, but mm. it just opened up the pathway of not having to rush to make a decision then and there that, you know, here's a, you know, I think he said to me, uh, Bishop Greg, his his words were, I'll never forget him. He said, "This your your discernment challenge is very easy. Do you have someone you want to be married to?" I said, "Yes, very much so." He said, "That's all you need to focus on now, discern yeah. and, and and focus on that. You know, if you've got someone that you love and that you want to, you can really see yourself building a holy and happy marriage with. That's that's where you got to go. You know, and yeah. It was just yeah, it just spoke to my heart so powerfully and sort of left that retreat and was able to then you yeah. know really focus on the relationship and not really. Uh, worry so much about is God calling me to be a priest or not because mm. the recognition that in our church if he was then in his time it'll work itself out mm. sort of thing. So, mm. yeah. what an impactful message yeah, hey? yeah it's very powerful <laughs> and again he probably just said it passing by so how can I get this guy yeah. out, of, out of my hair in like <laughs> one minute or so maybe yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but still yeah. nonetheless it made an impression on yeah. you Just for the, those listeners who have maybe, um, in fact, heard of 
uh, spiritual direction or discernment for the first time here in this podcast, what's what's a couple of lines? Like if one of them came up to you and they said, Father Chabelle, what's what's discernment? Yes. What are you actually yeah. doing in discernment? Yeah, I think look, if I can sum it up simply, discernment is just trying to um, hear that voice of God in your life, to try and sort of listen more attentively to that voice that, that God speaks to each and every one of us to see where he's best calling you to follow and love and serve him. You yeah. Know, in this world. That's, that's how I would sort of wrap it up in one sentence. Yeah, and, that's a great, great yeah, takeaway. Yeah. Now, last question in relation to, to um, your family, unless, you know, something else comes yeah, up. But yeah. uh, when you think about your, your kids and the image of vocation, the image of marriage that mm. you're, you're sharing with them, what are, and <laughs> without you being able to control this, but yeah. what are a couple of things that you hope, you know, I hope they see this from, from me and Rosemary. I hope they, they get this as a takeaway when they think of family and marriage. Yeah, yeah. I think just the, the, the importance of, um, of working together hand in hand with the hand of Christ, I think, mm. you know, in, in the life of marriage. We try to put that message across so often, um, you know, and we're always sort of stressing the importance of, um, you know, that unity as a family, but, yeah, that unity as a family is, is beautiful regardless of where it happens but I think it takes on that extra level of beauty um, when it's united with Christ as well like united with the Lord so um, that, that's the sort of thing that I would hope my children take away Yeah. but in saying that like, I don't want to eat too much time but so I got two of my kids in formation for their first Holy Communion and yeah. um, one of them threw me under the bus with the Holy Communion teacher and she asked them a question and said ah oh, yeah, we swear a lot in my household. I'm like, you're not supposed to tell her that. I'm the priest of the parish. <laughs> I'm an assistant priest. He's like, no, no, no. I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about me. I'm like, yeah, yeah sure, sure. So, but, and I, I share that to say we haven't got it perfectly worked out yet. Yep. It's still a work in progress. Yep. So, you know, but uh, there's always those ups and downs that you know, we work through. And But that will be the key thing that I really hope my, my boys will take away. Yeah, yeah. great, great yeah. message, yeah. great message. Mm. Now, I'm um, shifting then to that other part of the introduction I shared um, I mentioned that you're an ordained Catholic priest in the Maronite Church, and I'd imagine there would be people listening to this podcast thinking, you know, that's the first time I've heard yeah. of that integration. You know, yeah. that's that's new for me. So mm. maybe we can strip it back to a bit of basics. Then, could you give us a sketch of what it means um, to be Maronite Catholic? What yeah. what is that? Yeah. So look, um, without getting into two thousand years of church history, <laughs> we know that the uh, we know that the disciples went to different regions of the world with the with the Christian message, and you know. Um, different church communities were established and and the way that they lived out their their faith you know made made a varied but the, the heart the essence of the faith was there so for what it means to be a maronite catholic for us it's um we're a church that belongs to the antiochian syriac tradition of the church so mm-hmm. developed in antioch uh which is in present-day syria we believe that uh and well, we know from the scriptures that antioch was first uh, the seat the first seat of of peter the apostle mm-hmm. so it's a it's a seat that has a very strong Petrine sort of uh, affiliation to it, mm. uh, but basically, yeah, it's just the, it's the way that we live out our Catholic identity is in the Maronite tradition of the Church. You know, uh, we are united with the Universal Catholic Church under its human head in in the Pope. Mm-hmm. We profess the Pope as the human head of the Church, the, the highest authority, if you like. In um, we have the same sacraments. Mm. We, we would call them mysteries but they're the same sacraments and mm. same sort of general understanding of sacramental theology, like what's at the heart of the, the sacraments. Yep. And we profess, for the most part, the same creed, you know. Yeah. Um, so we have the same belief, but the way that we live that out yeah. um, is going to vary. So, that, for example, the way that we celebrate the Divine Liturgy or the Mass yep. is going to be very unique. We have our own way. 
uh, and you know other Eastern Church communities will have their own way, mm-hmm. uh, but we're still celebrating the same Eucharist, for example. Yeah. So, so, and you know all these little sort of different expressions, the way that we pray our our office prayers, for example, mm-hmm. um, the way that culture has influenced our 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 church. You know, being a Middle Eastern or founded in the Middle East, we're not Middle Eastern Church, but we have a lot of um, uh, cultural things, elements mm. of our faith that uh, you know come from the fact that this was a church that was founded in Syria but grew in Lebanon. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's beautiful. The, the yeah. fact that you're you're tracing back into history is how context influenced yeah. expression. Yeah, it's yeah. it's massive. You know, yeah. like and especially like in particular when the Maronites went from Syria into Lebanon to mm. escape persecution. You know, mm. um, yeah, they were farmers. They were uh, people that worked the land. So like our liturgical calendar for example, is filled with feast days that are so integrated with like farming and agriculture. Oh, you know? okay. I didn't yeah. realize. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like we have a, a feast day that we celebrate um, on uh, May 15th, which mm. is um, Our Lady of the Harvest sort oh, of thing. So like, because okay. that was the harvest time. Yep. So they consecrated that particular time asking Our Lady's blessing for a fruitful harvest. Yeah. You know, that's so, great. And there's so many of those like within, sprinkled within the liturgical calendar. So, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. And we briefly touched on um, that word that uh, – the Maronite expression is one of the rites yeah. of, um, and that's spelled R-I-T-E for yeah. anyone listening, one of the rites in the Catholic tradition. Do you know, um, or can you share with our audience any of the other rites there that you're aware of or familiar with yeah. off the top of your head? I think just with our context being here in Sydney, mm-hmm. the ones that we'll probably, you know, I, I could probably name them more if I, if I really thought about it. But, yep. you know, in, in our context here in Western Sydney, we have the Melkites, we have the uh, Syria Malaba and Syria Malanka churches, mm-hmm. which are very similar to ours again, but predominantly from India. Mm-hmm. You have the Chaldean Rite, which is very, uh, very big, big numbers. The mm-hmm. Assyrian Rite Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to name a few. Yeah, you have and, and the Ukrainian Rite Catholic Church as well. That's yeah. it. And yeah. again, reiterating that point that it's that common belief expressed yeah. differently. Yeah. And um, one of the distinguishing qualities is that all those different rites would see um, the Pope as the yeah. um, the head, the human head, yeah. as you said, in, in the church. For sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. They all come under that one Catholic umbrella mm. and just express that Catholic identity differently. The one thing I'll just throw in there just yeah. because I think it's uh, – I love sharing this point is when you look at the the Catholic Church in general, it's made up of the 23 rites. Yes. Yeah, you've got the, the one rite, which is the Latin rite, mm-hmm. more well-known, or Roman Catholic churches, mm. as we might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the 22 Eastern rite churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the – Churches in the Catholic Church, uh, the way that they take their name mm. either comes from a language or a place. For example, the Ukrainian Rite Catholic Church, mm-hmm. Ukraine, it's a place. Mm-hmm. The Latin Rite Church, the language of Latin. Um, mm-hmm. The Maronite Church is the only church of all the ones in the Catholic Church that actually takes its name from a person. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is St. Maroon, who was yep. a 5th uh, century monk in Syria who um, essentially lived a life of solitude and holiness that had such a great example and witness that people came and started to imitate his life yeah. around him. And from those, they, they established monastic communities yep. and they were the first Maronites essentially. And mm. then from there, that community started to grow and grow until we established as a church. So, yeah, no, that's great history. Yeah, that's a great history great behind history. it. Yeah. Now, in that particular expression of um, the Maronite Catholic rite, um, mm-hmm. in your experience and understanding, what's some of the underpinnings of uh, the vocation of priesthood. So where yeah. does that come from, whether it's uh, uh, a reference in Scripture or the early church or yeah. that understanding that you can be a married man and also yeah. ordained to the priesthood? Yeah. yeah, I think and it was probably good that I shared that St. Maria yep. story essentially because um, within our tradition, within our Maronite church, priesthood takes on 
two very big connotations in the or two ways of, of being expressed mm. uh, as a religious priest or a monastic priest, so joining a religious order, remembering that the first Maronites were all congregations of religious sort of thing. Mm. So that's a really big way, you know. And then with the um, the influence and the structure that came from more open contact with the, the Latin rite of the church, there was a diocesan priest that was established, a uh, diocesan priesthood that sort of came from there. Uh, so they're still the two main expressions, very similar to what you would see, you know, everywhere else within the, the, the likes of the Catholic Church. You mm. have religious priests yep. and you have diocesan priests. As you mentioned for us, but the, the big thing is that we, um, as well as all the other Eastern Rite churches mm. and the Eastern Orthodox churches, um, for those that are taking the path of diocesan priesthood, um, it's not sort of exclusively to only men who are celibate. Mm. So it dates back to the time of, of Jesus and the apostles. Like we know from Scripture that majority of the, um, uh, well, we know almost for certain that all the apostles were married. Mm -hmm. The only one that's in question is John, John mm -hmm. the Beloved, and it's unknown whether he was or he wasn't. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there is a sense that we think that all of them were married from, from biblical studies, you know. Yep. And that tradition of having married men serve as priests was there within the first five, six hundred years of the church. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and that tradition has always maintained in the Eastern churches. It's it's never been broken, you know. Mm. Um, and in particular for us in as a Maronite church, like we mentioned, that when the Maronites went from, from Syria into Lebanon and they started to establish more and more, uh, more often than not, you know, if I was to put a number to it, I'd say 95% of the time the, the priest in the village was a married man. Mm. Um, he was someone that was well-known in the village, someone that sort of displayed a good level of piety and holiness, that knew his faith well, yep. that was able to sort of be educated in the way. So, yeah, and they would essentially the village would elect their priest. They would go to the bishop and say, we need a priest for our diocese. We like this guy. He's very good. Yeah. He's smart. The bishop will meet the candidate. He'd send him off for study, and then after he was ready, they would ordain him, and he would be again, like we said, a, a family man. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, so rich history in that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sort of dates back to that time, and it's always been unbroken for us that yep. we've maintained that tradition. Yeah. You know? Thanks for that. Thanks yeah. for that backdrop yeah. as well. That's yeah. really helpful for yeah. our listeners. Mm. Now, um, uh, I know we'll get to that point where we're integrating, you know, both those vocations yeah. of uh, being married and a priest. But for now. Um, any key stories of the joys and the challenges of being a an ordained priest? <laughs> yeah, look, I think they, they, I could go on for, for yeah. a whole podcast series yeah, that's on, it, that's on both the joys and yeah, the challenges. Yeah. Like, it's not. Um, it, I don't, don't want to sit here and kid anyone and say, "Oh, it's been all fantastic." Yeah, it's got its hardships, yeah. it's got its ups and downs, and anyone who lives the either vocation will know. You know, so yeah, maybe a couple then, and yeah, if, if we yeah. have time, we'll go for a third. But for yeah, sure, what's yeah. a couple that come to yeah. mind? I think. Um, yeah, one of the, the the joyful things in in terms of um, uh, you know ordained ministry, just in general, not necessarily a, as a family member, mm. you know, being um, being there as a servant of the mysteries or a servant of the sacraments, you know, to mm. be the person that you know the the Lord work, works through in you know giving His healing touch in in reconciliation or to mm. you know um, to be the person that's there in you know in the celebration of the liturgy or the celebration of the mass and. Uh, to have that ability to to communicate that beautiful mm. Christian message that we've received, that those beautiful gifts that we've received from Christ through the apostles all the way now, and just to be part of that uh, rich history is is always mm. a moment of joy. Like, and it comes with with a heavy weight, but like, you know, I just think the the amount of times, like, very simply, like, if you 
say something in a homily. Like if I've given an unprepared homily sometimes, yeah. I'm just sort of like, uh, I didn't really give this as much, uh, as much thought. And yep. I'll yeah, be able to share something in, in a homily, in a reflection, and then have people come to you later that night or message you later on that week and, and speak how that was a profound impact on their life mm. and how they, they really want to now reform their ways and, and really start to try and live that gospel message more fruitfully. Mm. You could just sort of see the, the joy of, of seeing the spirit at work, yep. um, even though, you know, you know your own sort of weaknesses and limitations. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, in that particular example, hang on, I was unprepared as mm-hmm. the homeless. I'd, I'd committed, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, well, how do I say sin? But like, yeah, <laughs> I committed like the sin of a priest of not being prepared for for the liturgy, yeah, yeah. and the spirit still worked. You know, that's yeah. the joy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying. But and then on the flip side, you know, as yeah, specifically as a as a married priest, mm. I just think you know, for me personally, the ability to, I suppose, communicate with with other young couples and just couples in general, families in general, because mm. we know the hardships that families face. It's not easy. Mm. Um, there's challenges everywhere you look in, in this current sort of world that we live in. Um, there's financial challenges. There's there's challenges of how do we live faithful to the you know to the teachings of the church. Mm. How do we live faithful mm. to the to the gospel precepts within our marriages? Yeah, you know, how do we pass on the faith to our children? And I, I love the the fact that you know. I'm able to share in those challenges with with my yep. community, you know. Um, you know, I don't say this with any shred of of you know saying that someone that's not married doesn't share in that, mm. but you know that lived experience. So when when a young couple comes to me and talks about, for example, the financial pressures that they're facing, um, I know from firsthand experience what they're living because I've lived that. You know, mm. I, I lived that in the first five six years of my marriage, and now as a priest, you know, there's still an element of that yeah. that that's there. You know, or if they come. A young couple comes, you know, if we're going to get sort of a little bit raw and they're struggling to reconcile, how can we be open to life in our mm. marriage like the church teaches us? Mm-hmm. Again, I've lived that experience. I know what it's like mm-hmm. to try and hold those things in, in, in balance and say, yeah. you know, I feel that that ability to share from a place of um, of having lived those challenges um, and, and, and try, you know, with uh, as much um, as, as I could in my own sort of weaknesses, uh, to be faithful to the to the Lord in in doing that, yeah, yeah, that's been a great joy. Yeah, it's just been, yeah, it's yeah. really a humbling, humbling experience. That's, that's how it. I could put it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And I love those two stories. Um, the first one in particular about the priesthood. What really comes through for me is this heart of service that yeah. you have, yeah. um, and this this um, openness to saying, you know, I'm giving this my best, but also I trust that the spirit is, is working yeah. through. Uh, even in those times where you feel like you're not, you're not giving your best. That's just a great example, you know, yeah. for people to hear that, yeah, sure, you're trying to show up and there's days that you don't, even then, you know, yeah. God is God still, can still work. That's yeah. it, yeah. that's yeah. it. And just yeah. that last one you're, you're talking about, in my hearing anyway, this way in which you're seeing the whole life and faith journey is wholesome. Mm. Um, it does boil down to, you know, how we relate to each other, um, a bit of the financial stress integrated with the spiritual life yeah, and, and how yeah. do they work together, dance together. For so sure. mm. that that's awesome. Mm. Now, um, perhaps one one more specific question I wanted yeah. to ask is um, between your uh, ordained priesthood and your marriage, how have they been blessings for each other? Yeah. So how has your... Um, how has your marriage uh, blessed your priesthood, which I, I think you've mentioned already, and yeah. vice versa? Um, how has being a priest blessed your marriage? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think um, how the marriage has blessed the priesthood. Look, uh, um, you know, I think in that last story that I shared, I think that's a very, very big way. But also just in the sense of that, um, you know, when I 
when I wake up, for example, on mm. a day when, um, you know, I feel like I don't want to do anything, yeah. or I'm tired, or I'm run down, or you know, uh, it's it's knowing that my family's there as well, and that when I get up to go serve the, the community, or if I I know that they're benefiting from that service as well because they're part of the community, you know. Mm. So in my service of the church, I'm still serving my family, you know. Mm. Um, and that <laughs> that really, um, yeah, that really, it gives me that motivation. Like I've got my, my four-year-old now, Dom, like for example, if he runs into the room and he's probably like the, the biggest sort of mischievous of my of my kids, but <laughs> like he'll run into the, the room one morning and I'll be trying to like get a sleep in and it's just, I don't know, if I... I know if I wake up and I spend some time with him, it's going to give me that energy to, yeah, to get yeah. back into the office and yeah. we'll get back to the parish and, and do the things that I need to do and just sort of, it, it, yeah, it's very powerful in that way. Like, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, I probably yeah. butchered it, but no, no, yeah, no, no. It, yeah they really, um, that sense of, yeah, when, I, um, when I'm living my vocation as a husband and a father well, mm. I feel like that's when I'm being the best priest that Christ has called me to be. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, as a priest, you know, how it's blessed my marriages, I feel like, um, you know, it almost makes me um, beware of that hypocrisy a lot of the times. <laughs> like I don't, you know, if I... Um, if I'm going to get up there and preach something in a mm. homily or if I'm going to sit and give a Bible studies with the youth or if I'm going to lead the couples in their marriage preparation, mm. um, it makes me more attentive that I'm not going to just say anything in passing mm. um, to these guys that I wouldn't, you know, bring into my own life. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that, um, you know, do this and then um, and not do it as well. So, like, so for me that um, if I'm speaking in a particular way, from my place as a priest, mm. if I'm preaching a particular thing from my position that the Lord has blessed me with to serve as a priest, then I'm attentive that I also want to bring that in to my life as a husband and a father. Yeah. You know? And I think I say that a lot when I'm you know, dealing with the young families. Uh, you know, there'll be times where I'll be, you know, again, facing a particular challenge and mm. I'll bring that up in, in a Sunday homily when I'm speaking to the young families or the, you know, in our family liturgy. Um, and I feel like I could be very open with them because mm. I'll, I'll confess as I'm preaching. I say, I want to be very clear. I'm preaching to you guys as much as I'm preaching to myself as much <laughs> as I'm preaching to you guys <laughs> yeah. on this because I need to learn this as well. Yeah. And that's why I'm bringing it up, you know, because if I'm saying it here on before the altar of the Lord, before all of you, mm. that means I want to be held accountable for that as well, you know. So Jeez. Yeah. I feel that that's a yeah. That's a, that's a powerful you. theme, Charles. Yeah. Like that, I'm 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 hearing from that that sense of service and integrity in that mm, as well. You yeah. know that you're both a servant and, and learner. Yeah, which is I hope so. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. I have to say, with your first um, uh, when you're talking about um, as you serve the community, you also served your family. Yeah. It just hit home for me when I was involved in some community building initiatives. That not that there's only two ways, but mm. one way to build up community is we can either build fences around each other and yeah. say, you know, there's your patch and there's my patch, or we can build less fences and more bridges yeah. and yeah. connect and integrate. And so that that sense where, you know, you give to the community and then it also then creates a um, a community for your family as well. Yeah, that's yeah. just a, a beautiful image of being, you know, this this one community yeah. together. Yeah. And if there's looking, okay, might just want to add one thing onto that, just because mm. yeah, the community itself is such a beautiful thing, like. I can think of so many experiences where, you know, from the early stages of ordination, like when I was going through like as a subdeacon and mm. as a deacon, um, you know, no matter how many children we had at the time, um, if there was a struggle or if we were in mass, for example, and, you know, I was, you know, on, in the sanctuary or I was celebrating or doing something, mm. if I'm, you know, 
participating in the liturgy as as a member of the clergy mm. and rosemary was there balancing with the children or yep. was trying to chase around three kids <laughs> the members of the community were the ones that would be helping so yeah. there's so many people that would come and not necessarily like from my family or, or her family like people who have literally the church family mm. that would come and like they would grab onto our kids and they'd keep them well behaved or they'd walk one of them up to to get a blessing at holy communion time or rosie had the other one you mm. know so the community also sort of blessed my family in that essence as well so mm. i just feel that it was important to bring that up i'm so thankful for how how much the community sort of um honors our family life as well yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. they bless our family oh, life so, yeah. yeah yeah that's that's so enriching yeah. now just to round off this conversation we do like to then transplant this to the parish setting which isn't hard in your case because yeah. you're, yeah. you're in, you're in the parish, parish so yeah. to speak yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we we like to ask a question around newcomers and so yeah. in your particular case uh, Father Chabelle what's some welcome strategies that you've tried that you would say are, are new or innovative ways in which you're trying to do welcome yeah. here in this parish context yeah. I wouldn't say overly new but like one of the things that we tried to do with our, our youth masses in particular for mm. example is um, you know the, the good old fashion tea and coffee after mass on Sundays, mm-hmm. which has been sort of done and dusted for many years. But <laughs> we thought, yeah, we'd put a, a different spin on it. Like, So rather than it just being come and make yourself a cup of instant coffee, yep. um, dating back to our days working together yep. and recognizing the power of good coffee yes. of, of having and good, good conversations over good coffee, yes. we take the Nespresso machines out of all oh. the offices of the priests. Oh, good. We'd go get Nespresso pods from Woolies and buy a on sale. And it's like, come and have a Nespresso coffee yep. while we sort of hang out. And that way it's like, we're not in a rush to just drink through our, our instant yeah. coffee. And Sorry for any instant coffee lovers. I don't know how you do it. That's, <laughs> that stuff is putrid. But, no, I'm <laughs> but um, yeah, just to have a good cup of coffee and a good conversation. It, it, mm. well, the good coffee, good cup of coffee creates a good opportunity for a good conversation. Yeah. So um, that was one of the ideas that we, we, we trialed for a little bit, in, in particular when we were coming out of the um, – the uh, like sort of the restrictions and all that stuff that were associated with the COVID times. Yes, um, just to re-establish that sense of community there. Yeah, that was that was a nice little touch that we had um, that sort of worked relatively well. Um, yeah, that's I think the first thing that comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, no, that's an awesome yeah, example. Yeah, well, yeah. I have to say thank you, Shabal, for this time together. And actually, one quick one: hmm. what's the address of, of this place so that people can come over and have some? Um, <laughs> Coffee pods. Some coffee pods. I'm going to put, put, put uh, me and the youth committee on, under pressure to actually resurrect that idea again. Uh, but everyone's more than welcome. Uh, uh, 40 to 46 Alice Street in Harris Park. It's Our Lady of Lebanon Co-Cathedral, the, the parish where I serve. Um, and our English uh, divine liturgy or offering of the Mass is on 7 p.m. on a Sunday night. And there's mm. also 9.30 a.m., which is generally more the family mass that I was talking yeah. about. Yep. Um, and then the 7 p.m. is more sort of the youth mass. But we don't like to label our masses as being a family mass or a youth yes. mass. It's just generally where the congregation sort of sways. So majority yep. of the youth come to the 7 p.m. mass and yeah. a lot of young families come to the 9.30 mass. So yeah, it's just more of our terminology, not that. Yep. they're exclusive in that area. So. Yeah. We'll put, uh, we'll put the, the churches or the cathedrals website um, in, in the show notes as well. Thank you so yeah. much for this time. Follow Chabelle. Uh, it was great catching up. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Food. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by the Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. We release a new episode each week and we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment or reach out via our contacts in the show notes. Looking forward to sharing another story with you next time on the Soul Food Podcast. Mm -hmm.